Be afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. The box. You opened it. We came. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. I love China. in the sky I can go twice as high Take a look It's in a book A reading rainbow It's time for another horror hookup on Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Andrew. And we are so excited for our horror hookup today because we have something new for you. You don't say. Something new. And that something is a person. And that person is an author. Yes. And he's also a Chicago-based author. His name is David J. Collins. And he is the author of uh, a book called Gay Bash. That was that was his first book. And he's author of the newly released horror novel called Summerdale. David, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to do this with us. We really appreciate it. I appreciate being asked. Thanks so much. <laughs> I think we, we had met you at, um, at, market at Market Days. Yeah. Yes. And we walked up to the booth and we said, who is this daddy selling <laughs> books right now? And how can we talk to him? So we just marched our little, our little selves up and said hello. Yeah, that's pretty much how it worked. It was great. Uh, Market Days was, was an awesome experience. I met a lot of uh, great people. And um, I'm, I'm glad that we had a chance. It's just another example. I'm on you know, Instagram, Facebook, but nothing beats, uh, nothing will ever beat meeting people face to face. Absolutely. Uh, like at a festival. Yeah. And for folks out there, if you don't know what Market Days is, Market Days is this giant festival in giant. Lakeview in Boys Town. It's huge. And it's all weekend long. It's in August. Uh, it's super hot. All the gays are there. It's a, it's a really good time. So there it is. It's it one is. way of putting it. Right. So, it so it's, David, it's fun to be sober there too. Which yeah, right. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> so David, uh, let's just, let's hop right into this. So, um, so before we get to the book, which we're really excited to talk about, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I'm in Chicago and I grew up in the West suburbs um, and I've lived uh, in Chicago for about 12 years in the city. I work up at Northwestern in Evanston. Um, like you said, Summerdale is uh, the second novel and uh, it's the start of a series. So this will go um, for the next couple of years. It's a trilogy. And in addition to writing, which uh, is, is something I love doing outside of work, um, I'm also an artist and I work with uh, vellum paper and I create uh, my work by hand, it's all handmade, and uh, my work is mosaic and structural, and I've got a gallery on my website. Oh, cool. And I also enjoy That's lifting. so cool. See, I told you he was a daddy. He enjoys lifting. <laughs> um, and also, I've already, um, I've already asked David to create a mosaic of my beautiful face, and he's agreed. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting that artwork in soon. That, that's fantastic. So, David, what, what was it uh, that got you into writing? Tell, tell us a bit about that. Absolutely. Um, I, I knew from an early age that I wanted to be an artist. 
Um, I had no idea what that was going to look like. I, I kind of still don't. I'm, I'm on that journey. But I, I know that in school where I felt most free was in English and in art class. Um, I was in accelerated art, accelerated English, and I had a lot of support from my teachers. I wrote, um, you know, little books on loose leaf paper and, and masking tape them up so it looked like like it was a bound book. And I, I gave it to them for comments. And um, I had a lot of support in school, but I've, I've really got to say the love of reading and eventually the love of writing started at home. Um, I was really encouraged by my amazing parents. Um, they just supported every creative interest I had, whether that was artwork or writing or, um, you know, I built cities in the backyard and our house was filled with books. There were always books available. And one of the, one of the strongest memories I have from childhood is that my parents read to me every night. And that really got me thinking if these authors that I admire so much and I can disappear into the worlds they create, can I do that too? And that was a challenge to me. Um, and I grew up in, like I said, in the West suburbs and it was, um, you know, a little homogenous, a little, uh, very typical suburbia and mm -hmm. books were an escape. I think for a lot of us growing up, uh, especially, uh, you know, those of us who grew up closeted books yeah. were an escape from all of that. And that was my challenge. So from junior high on, when I really felt like I just didn't fit in and I wasn't interested and didn't have the same talents as, as you know, everyone else, um, that was my escape reading. And then eventually it went to writing. And um, I just I kind of love the coincidence that we're talking about Summerdale on National Coming Out Day. Um, yeah, because that uh... really had a, a big influence. The fact that I couldn't share my life fully that I began writing and I began journaling. And that's really where all of this came together. And looking back on it, that that really was, you know, that that support and love at home is really where it started. That's, that's amazing. awesome. Yeah, I I definitely had a similar uh, childhood experience where mm -hmm. I would lose myself in books or yeah. uh, try to create my own stories. And I remember, <laughs> considering I'm such a horror fan, that um, I remember turning in these <laughs> these ten page long, you know, eight point type of where oh, everyone dear. is where everyone's getting yes. murdered. And <laughs> as, as 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 the teacher looked at you and said, Andrew, is there a, is there a problem? <laughs> Do we need to talk about something? <laughs> Oh gosh! But um, so what we're here to talk about today is your uh, newest release, which I believe is for sale now. Correct? Yes, it's. I uh, just released it on Kindle. Awesome. So, at, what is the name of your book? It is called Summerdale, uh, named awesome. for the street. Um, is specifically, it's set in Andersonville, and uh, the premise is four gay men, four addictions, one landlord from hell. Interesting. Mm. I like I like the sound of that. That sounds right up my alley. Um, and the premise is if you can if you can see the house, you're addicted enough to enter it. Huh, and the tenants will meet a charismatic sociopath landlord named Mr. McGreevy. Um, he is the most charming man you've ever met. He is always ready to listen. He is always there. He always has a fresh pot of coffee. Um, where he's making a, a a big brunch or a big dinner, and and wouldn't you know it? There's a there's a setting at the kitchen table for you, huh. and he just loves to listen and ask you questions, and he gains trust. And what he's doing is isolating and gaslighting and enabling his tenants until the wow. only place they feel safe is inside his house. Oh, 
now I really like I'll be completely honest we didn't have time to read I read the first chapter but um now I'm like ready Fuck. to go <laughs> well and and also right right when you said charming landlord I was already scared because certainly that mm. that 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 creature does not really exist in this yeah, world and so there. so it's mm-hmm. a monster um so yeah this sounds really really amazing yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, I, one of the things, uh, so uh, Gay Bash was, was fiction. It takes place here in Boys Town. Uh, sure. That's about a reserve gay man who fights back against two attackers and, and he changes his life. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, is fiction, but it is, um, there's nothing metaphysical. There's nothing imagined. There's nothing supernatural. It is, it is truly entirely a fictional story. Sure. Um, Summerdale is, is the opposite of that. It is supernatural. Um, and at the same time, one one thing that I loved about Gay Bash was that I could make social commentary on issues in our community. Hmm. I do that more so, so. There is much more social commentary. It's much more direct in Summerdale. <laughs> and in Summerdale, I am addressing issues throughout the series that are in the gay community. And that includes racism, hmm. misogyny, substance abuse, and domestic abuse. And that will carry through the series. Interesting. So was that fun for you being able to um, really create your own lore and like have like that supernatural element where you got to be it it wasn't in the real world where you got to create something? Totally. It was it was very different. You know, obviously the situations, um, you know, they they work. They move into Summerdale. There are um, the the mechanics of, of, you know, giving your notice where you currently live, signing a lease. You don't see what mm. the lease says yet, but they sign a lease. There's money exchanged. Um, so it's it's an imagined world, but it's very much in the reality of, of what we know to move into a place. They talk about, you know, oh, I have more to move in, and but what are they yeah. moving in? They're, they're investing more and more of themselves. It's a bit of an allegory, um, but it, it is it's a lot of fun to do the foreshadowing in a completely different way um, in horror than I could just in straight fiction. And especially for folks that live in Chicago, I mean, you know, what what I've read of the book so far and and what I've listened to, and we're going to play an excerpt for you later in the show. um, But I think if you live in Chicago, you're going to especially enjoy this book. Um, You know, Andrew and I both live very close to Andersonville. um, And it was fun. It was fun to see the neighborhood come alive. And and also it was fun to see the mythical corner of Summerdale and Wayne (laughs) come into being too. I thought that, that, that was really, that was really cool. And, you know, for me, especially, too my my running route outside every day when i when i go for a run i i go down summerdale Ooh. and i go down summerdale over to uh to, to rose hill cemetery so as soon as i saw summerdale i was like oh this is like my runs have gotten that much more spooky now <laughs> um so yeah it was it, it was nice. it was pretty cool to 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 see chicago come alive in your book yeah. Now, were you always a like horror person? Like, is this something that's been ingrained in you from an early age, or is this a, like a new endeavor for you? Like, where does that where does that energy come from? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty. You know, as far as in in school when I when we were, you know, we obviously we, we read E. B. White, and you know, we we read the, the very typical grade school. We also read Edgar Allan Poe, and and the thrill of that that you could create your own world that was that was kind of twisted and 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 different and imaginary and supernatural at the same time um just kind of opened something up and i wrote i wrote um 
a little story, one of my one of my little um, loose leaf paper stories. Um, the premise of it actually appears in chapter two, Aaron. And the image that I created, and this goes back to grade school, I has always stuck with me. So I was very happy to use it in Somerdale. Nice. So mm. that was a nice connection to something that I've had in my mind. Like, where is this going to go? And even when I when I was writing Gay Bash, and you just you you just have to let go of some things. And one thing I learned from that is that even if it's a nice scene or a character, you know, open up a document, drop it in there, and use it in the future. Yeah, that yeah. really helped me cut and edit, or what they call green, uh, the manuscript to to tighten it up and not feel like I was abandoning this great scene or this great character. They'll appear somewhere in the future. Yeah, and a lot of the times when you're you know a little bit of a younger writer, sometimes you're just not quite there yet with your with mm-hmm. your with your skill. So to right. go back and be like, I know the anchor of this idea, and now I can flush it out. Exactly. Yeah. David, tell me a bit about why it's important to you to write about LGBT characters. Yeah. It it's an aspect of, of really both books that I take very seriously. Um I think we can all agree that we have far more visibility um than we ever have had in media. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was when I was closeted and, and just starting to come out and this was, you know, in high school when I was coming to terms okay this is what it is i can't wish this away i can't pray you know this is this is who i am um the coming out continued but at the same time there weren't role models the way we have them more publicly today and this this Mm -hmm. is going back to the to the 80s um so we have more visibility and we have them in more genres but i think there's still limited representation so I feel in a small way, I'm hoping that my contribution of characters in Gay Bash, like Matt and Greg, and all the characters in Somerdale, um, that they contribute to, the, to our widening and continuing story of uh-huh. characters who are relatable and flawed, and that they're not you know, perfect, iconic characters. They make mistakes. Um, but if I'm doing my job correctly, the reader will understand why and identify with that. Oh, I understand why he's saying that. I understand why he's doing that. I've done that. I've known someone in this very same situation and that's where it becomes more universal. Yeah. I I really love that you said widening and continuing story. I mean, I, I I think that that's what the future is for LGBT Mm. people. And I think that's what we can continue to do is to continue to widen our community and continue just to continue, which in itself is a really brave thing for LGBT people. You know, David, I'm wondering too about these characters. Are these, when you develop your characters, both, you know, in Gay Bash and and in Summerdale and, and, you know, whatever future ideas you have that you're working on now, are, do you base these on folks that you know in real life or are these just complete imaginations that you've, um, that you've, that you've uh, taken up? Yeah, a little bit of both. Matt, uh, the main character in Gay Mash, is is largely based on me. He he starts, and his his journey actually reflects a lot of my own. So he starts the story very unsure of himself, very jealous of his best friend Greg, who's kind of the big man on campus here in Boys Town. And um, through the through a very emotional journey, he gains confidence and realizes that everything he was jealous of is already is already in him, and he's he's actually living in a world of possibilities. He's been his own worst enemy. 
and I leave him in a great spot. And that follows the, the, the fact that it took me six years to finish and release Gay Bash because I was so afraid of what people were going to think. Yeah. That it wouldn't be good enough. People weren't going to like it, and therefore they weren't going to like me. It was right back in junior wow. high sure. in, in thinking that way. And that was so unhealthy. So when I finally hit publish as an ebook, um, you know, going back four years now, um, that's permanent. Once you once you uh, release an ebook on Kindle, you cannot take it down. It's forever. It's out there. So that was, in a sense, another uh, another step in my own coming out as uh, you know, as an as an artist and being that confident in the characters and that they can stand on their own. Um, in 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 Summerdale, it's it's very much the same way. I take that. I take it very seriously. Um, I do want to add that in Summerdale, there's there's something else that um, is is very personal as it deals with issues in our community. I am also exploring my own complicity. It is through the characters, my own experience. And when I haven't done the right thing, when I haven't said and stood up and stood against, and as the characters make their own journeys and, and seek that complicity and that approval from McGreevy in his house, there are consequences for standing up and fighting back. Oh, and the wow. tenants learn this very slowly and a little bit too late in most cases. Um, another point I want to make about Summerdale that I think is, is, um, is an important point to make is that those that are terrorized are men. Hmm. So the ones who are cornered, the ones who lose all their friends, the ones who... Um, are preyed upon by McGreevy are men. And I think yeah. that's something else that's a little different even mm. now in um, not horror, but I think in genre fiction in general. Sure. Yeah. I think we can all attest to, you know, kind of the, uh, the blonde woman being chased yes. down the, you know, chased up the hall and sure. chased up yeah. the stairway and like the yeah. atypical way of seeing that. So yeah. to see it a little different, I think will add to the, uh, complexity. I think that you're creating in this world. So, um, so I don't know if you, how much you've listened to us, but we try to pair our kind of horror in media with kind of something horror in real life. And so your kind of horror in real life, really, I'm going to ask you about the dreaded internet. So, you know, the internet can be a pretty scary place um, with people being able to put out their opinions anonymously and just really say anything they want on social media. And you can't Mm -hmm. take it back. You can only, you know, try to get it taken down. But so how does that feel coming from an author that is LGBT and that is writing about LGBT issues? And, you know, are there have you had a great experience? If you had a horrible experience, what has that been for you? I, I will say overall, it's been very positive and it's been very affirming. Um, now, I'm I'm also saying this. I am not a, you know, multi-million selling author. Uh, <laughs> not so yet, David. Not you're going to be you're gonna be famous from well, this will podcast. Be now, right? <laughs> Once this episode comes out. Me, so thank you, guys. You're, um, you're welcome. I've, I've got to say it's 
that was another scary part for me was was that possibility because that that bullying you know that is definitely there and it it sometimes um often when i when i see it it has nothing to do with the work it has everything to do with the person and who that person is and that is wrong and that's something i i brace myself and i have to think um you know how is this going to be interpreted is getting misinterpreted. I, I want to be accountable as an author for what I'm putting out there and I will stand by it. Um, but as you, as you put it, that is always a possibility. Um, I, I come back to the reason gay bash happened at all. And that's because it was rejected. Nobody wanted, nobody wanted it. Every publisher age, nobody wanted it. Those that even sent me a form letter rejecting it um you know and just like every artist every every actor every musician every artist gets rejected it's just something you've got to bounce back and you've got to just keep that optimistic view and that belief in yourself um so i taught myself what how do you do an ebook and then how do you do a paperback and how do you do an audiobook and so this has been a part of my own education but, you know, a lot of it is kind of a middle finger back at everyone who rejected me. Yeah. And Amen. I have found a community. I found an audience and proved them wrong. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. feels pretty good. So if I can keep that, that vision, that forward look ahead and shrug off as best I can the rejection and negative feedback, which I've also gotten. um, I just, there's no other way for an artist to, to move forward and to be truly free, but to believe in their own vision and their own voice. Yeah. I think that we, um, when we were getting ready to do this podcast at first, I, we, I think we both definitely had our apprehensions about just putting ourselves out onto the internet because, you know, it's a, it's a scary place and you know, it, it, We've, we fell into a couple of negative situations here and there, but for the most part, we've been welcomed with open arms and kind of more than we thought. So, oh my God, yes. Yeah, so yeah. we can definitely attest to um, putting yourself out there and yeah. really just having to like take the leap. And, and, and saying what you have to say, yes. you know, and I think, I think what's great is like, you know, people like you, David, you've got something to say. People like us, guess what? We've got something to say. And what's wonderful is that if you just go out there with your authentic self and just say it, you'll be amazed how many people really want to hear what you have to say. Agreed. It's pretty cool. You know, every artist has to be open to legit criticism. Mm -hmm. You know, not every album, not every movie is going to be a winner or meet expectations of, of, of fans and, and readers. Um, But you also have to, you know, not every artist can please everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've definitely gotten our fair share of criticisms, but it's only made us better. So exactly, totally, truly. Totally. You know, and, truly. and I've looked back at at criticisms that my my friends have had about a certain artist. You know, oh, every album sounds the same. She just puts out the same over and over. And then when this artist does branch out and does try something else, sales drop, and yep. and she's criticized for that. You know, so. You just ultimately have to be true to yourself. And if I aspire to to be an artist at that level, um, that's how I have to approach it as well. So, uh, David, this has been awesome tonight. And we can't wait to share the excerpt that you recorded from your book, Summerdale. Yes. 
And if I'm wondering if you can tell uh, all of our listeners right now, tell our listeners where they can find you um, and be sure to tell them all your social and where they can buy the book and what your website is. Absolutely. Um, so Summerdale and Gaybash are both currently available on Kindle. And you can uh, search by the title and you'll come to my author page, um, which is also all one word, David J. J. A. Y. Collins. Um, the paperback for Summerdale will be available by Black Friday. And um, I've got that going on to Amazon as well. The paperback of Gay Bash is available, but I really need Fantastic. to. Um, so if you're if you're not in Chicago, that's probably the easiest way. It's also uh, available at my website, davidjcollins.com. But I've, and I've folks, really that's to, David J A Y Collins.com. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I've really got to give a special, um, just a special shout out um, to small businesses and our amazing independent booksellers here in Chicago. Gaybash is sold at Women and Children First in Andersonville. It's sold at Unabridged Books in Lakeview East. Um, it's sold at Volumes in Wicker Park. And it's sold at Bookies in Beverly. So I'm those are, extremely those are all- those are all amazing bookstores. If you yeah. have never been to Women and Children First in Chicago, oh. you better get your ass there because it's such a great bookstore. I've been it's going there for years. Bookstore. It's wonderful. Yeah. Hey, and David, too, before we let you go, I'm just wondering, what's next? Can you tell us anything? Absolutely. Um, and if I could also just do a, a, a super quick shout out as long as I'm... Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. you, you take the mic. <laughs> I will take the mic. I love it. Uh, bef- so I, I want to thank a couple of people who, um, before I answer your question, Wendy Goodlow has been my amazing editor and, and truly a creative partner. Um, TD Collins is uh, my very talented graphic artist who designed the cover. And he's also designing the complete paperback, which will be available by Black Friday. Um, and I also want to just thank the Andersonville Chamber which invited me into events and gave me an incredibly warm welcome and introduction to the neighborhood in which Summerdale is set. So I really, I want to say thank you um, to so many people who have been supportive of Summerdale. Um, what's coming next is there will be a Summerdale novel every October. Ooh, awesome. Yes. The, uh, the next one, Summerdale 2, will be October 2019 and so forth. But in the meantime... I am also creating spinoffs. Yes. Oh, novel, so he's creating a world here. <laughs> it's a world. Uh, it's a world of Summerdale, right in Andersonville. Um, so you know, the a, novel, a great a great name for a character, by the way, is Maddie. I just want to point that Maddie. out. Yeah, M A T T Y. Character in Gay Bash. He's that's his nickname, <sighs> Maddie. And it was named so, after he was named after me, done. obviously. So totally. thank you. Appreciate totally. it. Uh, um, the the novel so in chapter two Aaron um, he is or he fashions himself rather as an aspiring writer and the novel that's mentioned in chapter two is going to be a real novel oh no so way so you can fully read this it's it's fiction it's not horror it's fiction but if you read it you'll huh. find some easter eggs and some foreshadowing for what's coming ahead because it's written in the perspective of a I'm even calling him a secondary character. He's kind of a third level character, but has inside information about Aaron that comes out in this otherwise innocuous novel. Well, um, look at you, you little sneaky fellow. Sneaky. <laughs> and then um, the other one uh, that's coming out is um, 
you know, and this is an opportunity for me to grow as a writer, um, to take on a different voice, a uh, completely different voice. Um, Lucas, the character who uh, appears first in, in chapter two with Aaron, um, his mother, Nora, is a character in Somerdale. Nora will have her own spinoff novella, um, which is really a diary of, um, of her son, Lucas, and her experience with his addiction. So that will come out next year as well. And again, I, I'm, my hope is that you can read these um, as standalones. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you are also reading Summerdale and, and, you know, waiting for the act, the next October release, it will give you a little bit more backstory as well as foreshadowing about what's to come. That's awesome. That sounds really, uh, really interesting. And I'm very impressed uh, that you are, you know, so new to this, and you're already creating all the little Easter eggs and stuff. That's pretty fun. So, David, um, you recorded for us a little, a little story, a little excerpt. Yeah, so why don't you uh, set up what is going to be read, and then I'll kind of take us out, and you'll, listeners, you'll be able to listen to a little excerpt from Summerdale. Perfect, thank you. Um, so this actually is Lucas. Um, so Lucas is um, Lucas is a character, and I, I, I believe in outlines, I believe in backstory. Lucas registered. He just showed up, and he started telling me who he was as all the, the characters that I created did. And I had no place for him until all of a sudden I couldn't imagine the story without him. And as a writer, um, you are a messenger and Lucas had a significant story to tell. So this uh, excerpt is from chapter three, Steve, when Lucas reappears in the story and that's part of his getting back into good graces um, of Mr. McGreevy. And I I think that's all I'll say about it. All right. So what I want our listeners to do is turn the lights real low, turn your your headphones way up, and get ready to listen to Chapter 3 of Summerdale. And David, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Chapter 3, Steve. As Steve walked down Clark Street, he turned at Summerdale and saw a woman holding flyers. He adjusted his bag, assuming she wanted a donation. Please, have you seen my son, have you? Steve looked at the flyer, the picture, the name, the description. He shook his head no. The only thing that looked familiar was the address her son was last seen, Balmoral and Clark. I'm sorry, ma'am, I haven't seen him. Do you live up here, in this area? I do now, yes. Would you take this flyer to your apartment building, please? We have them up around the neighborhood. Maybe you've seen them? Would you please post it by your front door? She stuck a flyer in a woman's hand as she walked by. Please, have you seen him? This is my son, she called after the woman, who turned and shook her head no. Taking the flyer, he smiled. I'll be happy to post it. Good luck, Steve said, walking away. It was only halfway down the block that he realized how cold that sounded. His words, good luck, echoed in his mind all the way to Summerdale, where he found Mr. McGreevy at the kitchen table. Hey, Steve. How's your day? Steve sat down, placing the flyer face down on the kitchen table. He sighed and hung his backpack over the back of the chair. This poor mom over on Clark Street. I just saw her. McGreevy turned down his lip. What's wrong? Her son, this woman's son, Steve said, flipping the flyer over. She's handing this out. Have you seen this guy? His name is Lucas. McGreevy looked at the flyer. No, I haven't. 
You haven't? Steve asked, disappointed. She's out on Clark right now. She seems so lost. I feel bad for her not knowing. And then he shook his head, looked out the window. God, I said good luck when I walked away with the flyer. Like, oh, good luck finding your son. I mean, how cold must that have sounded? McGreevy reached for Steve's hand. She knows what you meant and that you meant well. Don't think twice about it. I sure hope so, that she knows what I meant. He pulled back his hands and threw his head back. I always say the wrong... Let me take a closer look, said McGreevy, holding the flyer near and far. Oh, yes. He dipped the flyer to look in Steve's eyes. I really should wear my glasses. He's a tenant. Here? At Somerdale? Is he here now? Down in the basement, last time I saw him. Spinning the chair around as fast as he could, Steve flew open the basement door and ran down. Lucas, he yelled into the dark. Lucas, are you in here? And from the dark, Lucas appeared. Hey, what's up? It's your mom. She's on Clark right now with these. He looked down at his empty hands. Well, she has flyers with your picture. She's so worried. She's out there right now. My mom? Where? I'm on Clark Street. Lucas shook his, head, shook his head and laughed. What's your name? Steve felt relief and the chance to redeem himself from the sting of good luck. I'm Steve. We both live here. You're actually the first tenant I've met, though. So you're at Somerdale, too? Steve nodded and turned toward the stairs. Yeah, can we just go? Sorry, but she's so worried. She's barely holding it together. She thinks something bad happened to you. She hasn't heard from you, and Lucas held out his hands to quiet him. Look, Steve, was it? She's my mom, and I love her and everything, but she forgets. I just talked to her this weekend. You did? Yeah, I was just in Indy. We've talked since then. So she knows you're okay? Totally. Stunned, Steve wiped the sweat from his forehead and calmed his breathing. Okay, but she just seems so... I know how she is. Do you want me to go out there with her and tell her? He smiled. Would you? Sure. Lucas led the way upstairs. Mr. McGreevy, Steve yelled out as they walked into the kitchen. Mr. McGreevy! But he was gone, and so was the flyer. Steve made sure he had his house keys, but left his backpack over the chair. Running behind Lucas, Steve closed the front door and struggled to keep up. Outside, the wind picked up and the trees rustled. She's going to be so happy to see you. But Lucas said nothing, as if Steve wasn't there. They just walked, passing children on bicycles, a muscled runner in tight gear who bolted around them, and an older lady carrying a grocery bag. And then Lucas stopped. He grabbed Steve's hand, looked back briefly towards Somerdale House. Steve, I want you to know that your heart's in the right place. Steve smiled. Tingle sudsed up his arm, his hand still in Lucas's. Thanks, your mom is just going to be so happy to see you. Lucas gripped tighter and looked back at the house again. He peered into Steve's eyes. Remember what I'm going to say. Promise? Steve smiled and shrugged. Sure. Lucas looked back at the house a third time. Mr. McGreevy is not your friend. What are you talking about? They unclasped and continued walking, saying nothing else to each other. Steve felt a pit in his stomach as he saw Lucas's mom ahead. There! Do you see her? I see her. Hey, Steve called out. Mrs. He turned to Lucas. Call her Nora. Nora, look, I found Lucas. Steve looked at Lucas. He smiled back at him and whispered, Remember what I told you. Nora turned, still holding her flyers. Surrounded by sympathetic people, she shouted, You found Luke? Oh my God. Thank God. Where is he? Steve and Lucas stopped, inches away from her. He's right here, Steve said, throwing his arm behind her son and smiling. He's where, she asked. The other stopped handing up flyers and glared. Here, Steve looked directly at Lucas, tapping his shoulder. Right here. He lives in my house down the street. 
I don't understand, Nora said, shaking her head. Where's my son? He's right here, Steve said again. Lucas, say something. Tell your mom you're okay. He said he was just at home with you, in Indianapolis, said Lucas, at our house at Guilford and 57th. Said Steve, at your house at Guilford and 57th. That's where we live, Nora said, nodding. That's where Luke grew up. How would you know that's our house? Where's Lucas? But Lucas just stood there. Steve stomped his feet. Lucas? Who are you talking to? Nora asked. Where's my son? You said you found him. Where is he? Steve looked at him. Right here. Oh my God, said one of the women in the circle, who put her arm around Nora as she began to cry. Another woman stood with her mouth open, staring down Steve. Lucas, Steve yelled, say something. A man in the circle stepped towards Steve. You need to get out of here, he yelled, stepping in front of Nora right now. Steve looked at Lucas again, poking him. Why aren't you saying anything? Talk to your mom. Tell her you're okay. But Lucas stood, staring at Steve, silent. Nora took off her glasses and rubbed her eyes. How can you do this to me? My son is missing. He's been missing for three weeks. I have not heard my son's voice for three weeks. He was last seen here at this intersection. He said he just visited you. Jesus Christ, said a woman with her arm around Nora. Go. Whoever you are, go away right now. Steve began shaking. Lucas, he yelled again, looking straight ahead. Say something. Why aren't you saying anything? The man grabbed Steve's collar. Get out of here before I knock you out. Steve's heartbeat raced. Once in the man's grip, Lucas disappeared. Nora wailed. Her flyers blew into the air until there were none left in her hands. The women around her gathered closer, held her, whispering comfort. One of them took a threatening stance towards Steve. Go, she shouted. The flyers flew as Steve broke from the man holding him. Steve started walking away, but the man grabbed the back of his shirt, forced Steve around, and punched him in the mouth. Go to hell for doing that to her, asshole. Knocked over, Steve landed on his side. Shh, said a woman holding Nora. He's gone. He's gone now. Steve got up and began running from them. One of the flyers scooped high through the air and landed face up in Steve's hand. But the flyer didn't show Lucas. The missing person, who hadn't been seen for weeks, was Steve. Phone charger? Check. A laptop cord? Check. Extra battery charger? Check. To ensure everything stays charged up for your next trip, you need a checklist. If that includes your mode of transportation, check out your local Lexus dealer. There you'll experience the luxury of a Lexus electrified vehicle at the Lexus Golden Opportunity Sales Event. But make sure it's first on your list, because this opportunity ends September 5th. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.